Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson. Today we have a conversation with the very talented Robert Randolph, and he'll talk to us about his career, his family, and his new album. I want to give you some context, though. This conversation took place back at Americana Fest this past September at a special showcase put on by WMOT. We could not find a location where we could record and get out of the sound area. The bands were loud, the music was outstanding, but high volume. And so we ended up in the lobby of the War Memorial Auditorium, accompanied by some people who wanted to record the interview for a Facebook Live moment. And so chaos ensues. This is a a really loose interview, a lot of fun. Here's Robert Randolph. Welcome to Americana One, Robert Randolph. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad to, I just saw you on stage. Yes. Really pretty amazing. How do you do that at noon? I don't know, man. I, I, considering we were sober today, you know, <laughs> right. maybe, maybe we should play sober more. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's delightful to talk to you. I, you know, I was struck, this is the Americana Music Festival, and I think a lot of people in the general public, when they hear that, they're yes. thinking banjo and acoustic guitar, Yeah. and that is not you. It's not me. We're definitely louder than 20 banjos and 20 acoustic <laughs> guitars. So, so how did you slip past immigration and get into this festival? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, this is such a uh, wide, this festival has become so wide uh, uh, range of so many different music artists, you know, over the years. And I've always wanted to be a part of Americana Festival because all the big stars are here. All my friends have been here. Chris Stapleton, Brandy Carlisle, Jason Isbell, Ken Moe. So now we're here, rubber end up in the family band. <laughs> so uh, I, I wanted to ask you a question because we're in Music City, we're in Nashville. Yeah. And it is a home of many fabulous, extraordinary pedal steel players. Yes. And you play steel. Can you yeah. tell me what the difference between those two things are? Well, uh, we just approach it like more like Jimi Hendrix and being a little wacky and crazy. You know, it's, uh, it's funny because a lot of people don't know my church headquarters. See, my, my church is an organization called the House of God Church, which the pedal steel and the lap steel is the main instrument. And the church was established in 1903. And in 1920s, this guy named Willie Easton came back from the world, fr from one of the wars, with a lap steel and started our tradition, very similar to like the Buena Vista Social Club. So what a lot of people don't know is our church headquarters is in Nashville, over by ten right across the street from Tennessee State. So my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents, everybody, we've all been coming to Nashville for our church conventions where our style of pedal steel, the, the main convention was going on ever since the 1930s here in Nashville. Wow. So that's how far our tradition goes back here. So I'm not just one of these fly-by-night, come to Nashville, go to winners and losers. And <laughs> <laughs> so you, I was the original tin roof guy. Oh, wow. So you when know. there was only tin roof over there. So technically... Physically, a difference between pedal steel and steel? Uh, no, no, okay. no. There's really no difference. I just, you know, I don't play the twangy country music. I can. Okay. I actually was fired once from, uh, actually twice, <laughs> from uh, a Lady Antebellum record because they wanted pedal steel. And I'm friends with all those guys. And they were like, hey, man, we got to get you to play pedal steel. And then Paul really fired me. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the radio single people did. It was like, well, uh, this is kind of cool because it's Robert Randolph, but this is not the country sound. I was like, all right. And then Kenny Chesney fired me because it wasn't a country sound. But don't they listen to your records before they hire you? They do, but they like, hey. Well, no, the producers have the right idea. They're like, hey, we're going to spread this out. We're going to stretch it out and do something new in country music. You know, have Robert Randolph come and do the, the crying loud pedal still. 
By the time it gets a hold of the radio people, they're like, I don't know, boy. We got to get rid of this thing. We need to get a traditional traditional thing. I think you've just blown any shot at country airplay ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You're toast. That's okay. so, you know, I'm fascinated by your background in that you just described a good part of your family tradition. But you, you grew up where you're not allowed to listen to secular music for the longest time? Yeah, we would get a spanking if we would listen to secular music, man. You know, we were, my whole family is preachers, man, all of them. My great-grandparents, my parents, my, my mother's a preacher, my grandmother's a preacher, my, all of my, three of my uncles are preachers, my great-grandfather, they're all pastors and deacons. So we had to sneak so, oh, here's the thing. So we would sneak and listen to, like, N.W.A. and Biggie and Tupac and all the old R&B. But we didn't know anything about blues and rock and roll, really, you know, until um, we first started to get out in around, like, 2000. The word started to get out about the sacred steel tradition. And there was a guy I met from Florida named Jim Markle who gave me this whole box of CDs. And it was, like, the band and the Stones and Grateful Dead and all of these bands that I had no idea who they were, you know, because we grew up in the inner city playing, you know, rock and roll church music, and we just grew up listening to hip-hop and R&B. So over the, over the years, I've, you know, and then lo and behold, the first big tour that we ever been on in 2002 was Eric Clapton. Right. You know, he heard us, and he was like, listen, I'm taking you guys on tour. And that started everything. You know, we went on tour with the Allman Brothers and, and, and all of the Grateful Dead band members and Dave Matthews Band and John Mayer. And the list goes on and on and on all through the years. So here we are today. That's funny. And, and do you want to hear something funny? I just discovered Bad Company. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, how come I never heard of this? <laughs> so I'm curious about uh, coming into a scene where you never heard. I mean, you have no sense of history. You don't have any. Perhaps you picked it up, but I'm thinking about so um, when I was a young man about your age, it was it was James Brown for me. Yes. But I heard my Ulmer Brothers stuff and I'd heard uh, all the R&B and even the pop stuff like Sam Cooke and Lloyd Price. So I was kind of prepared for James Brown. And I was absolutely prepared for rap because I'd listened to James Brown. Exactly. And everybody's musical experience is that building. You had no building. It was like you had the Big Bang and suddenly there's little Richard, and, and, and there, there's Smokey, and then you're all the way up to NWA and all that yeah, stuff. Exactly, right? Right? But no, that's all of the stuff that I knew. We knew okay, all this. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, but all the, I mean, bad company. It's like... No, 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 <laughs> no bad company, no band, no stone, no cream, no Derek and the Dominoes, none of that. I knew none of those bands. Zeppelin, none of that. So you you, you've been sitting with this uh, MP3 including, player. Including Queen. Oh, no, no. Right? So, like, I'm just discovering Queen from flying on the airplane and watching a Bohemian Rhapsody movie. And I've, I've watched that movie six times, and I cry every single time. And I'm like, this is, like, one of the greatest bands of all time. And I, like, you know, I love that movie. We have to get you to see the Buddy Holly story. Which oh, really? If, if, if Queen made you cry, it'll crush you. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. 19- There's also a new documentary about Aretha Franklin. Did you see the new Aretha Franklin one? No, I haven't yet. Oh, now nah, you're going to cry, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a recording, a gospel recording that Aretha Franklin did in like the late 70s. And she wanted to go back to church and do this live recording. And so she went back to church. She did two days of a live sort of recording at a church. The first day, it was hardly anybody there because nobody hardly knew, right? It was just like the choir and some audience. The second day, it was like Mick Jagger and her dad, and everybody showed up at this church, and Aretha's 
balling out, live singing Aretha. Man, when you watch that, you are going to cry, all of you out there. So when we are talking about who you are, yes. you, you mentioned Hendrix, and obviously your friends and colleagues with Eric Clapton. Yes. And, and those would be like the first two names that come off anybody's lips if you're naming like the greatest, uh, greatest guitarists of all time. Who are the greatest steel players of all time? The greatest steel players of all time, Pete Drake, Lloyd Green, Buddy Emmons, Paul Franklin, and then switch over to that, I have all of the guys, which is one of the reasons why we didn't, I grew up not listening to secular music, is because we, we had our own rock and roll stars in our church. So it was a guy named Henry Nelson, Ted Beard, Calvin Cook is still alive. Henry Nelson's dead. Ted Beard is alive, he's 86. Calvin Cook is alive, he's 78. Um, but those were all like my heroes. Those were all my Stevie Ray Vaughan's and B.B. King's and Robert Johnson's. So we would, every day, we would go from listening to Tupac and Biggie to Ted Beard playing in church or Calvin Cook playing in church. So that was our thing, you know. I don't know if you've heard it, but there's this amazing Bear family box of R&B in Nashville from 1948 oh, wow. to 1959. Really? It's What's astonishing. Um, it'll come to me. And it may come in the form of an email to you later. Yeah, email it but, to me. But it's it's incredible. All these indies that were here. Yes. And it, yes. and you and you see the melding of the musical styles there. It's very very. I mean, cool. that's the great thing about YouTube and all the stuff that's going now. You can record. I mean, you can you can now go back and watch all of this great footage of all of these artists that and, and now some of it's in color, like Sister Rosetta Tharp, right? And Magic Sam, and I'm actually playing in this movie. It's a new movie. Uh, it's an Elvis biopic that Dave Cobb is actually doing with, to some other big producer. But it's where I'm doing a scene to where Elvis, this is one of the moments that changes Elvis' life. He walks into this church, I think it was in Memphis, and this old preacher, and like he was like, wow, I could, I could move like this? And <laughs> seriously, that's what the movie's about. So I'm like playing a preacher, and Elvis is sitting in the back of all these black folks in the church, and he's like clapping and getting down. So it's a real story. So we're playing that produced by Dave Cobb once wow. again. So you, you just did some Sam and Dave on stage. Have you had a chance to meet any of that era, those giants? Yeah. I, yeah, I know Sam Moore, yes. Uh, also know Dave. Um, I've gotten a chance to meet a lot of those guys over the years. Yeah. You know, now Rogers. I mean, he's a little younger than those guys. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, now I've met everybody now, basically, you know. That's the great part about being in music and being in the industry. You get to meet. And a lot of those guys, like for some, they look to us as like, like I'm older. I'm like, man, I'm not old as you dudes, man. I'm, I'm young, man. You know. So, so. They're like, where are you from? How old are you? Sixty? I'm like, no. I'm far from sixty. My and man. their eyesight's shot. That's all. Yeah. You know. Um, I might so, feel like I'm sixty now. So, so you know, you just played Americana Fest. So yes. Your career has peaked. And uh, it doesn't is get any the better. Peak? Than, is that it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't get better than Good that. Good enough right? for me. We uh, peak. Oh, that's it. We not gonna get to the. <laughs> But, but C100, top 100, so tell me, 97 the Billboard Awards. Tell me about um, the new record, which is a The new record, man, is, it really felt great to record this new record. We recorded it here in Nashville at the RCA Studios. Um, we wrote it uh, with, with a couple of great writers also from here. And we just got in and we wanted to, uh, this record, we wanted just to record it live as a band. You know, so these days with the new technology, you know, Pro Tools and all of that, right? You get together and 
you get to piece things together. Like I could email her a track and email him a track and say, hey, record this at your home, record the bass. But it's just something magical to everybody getting in the room, singing live, recording, everybody's playing together. If that version sucks, then you say, okay, let's play it again. And that's really the magic of Dave Cobb is he, he, he captures the real unique moment of everything. And it's like, let's write the song. Okay, let's record it, right? And then, because we all write songs, we all got our hearts broken, and we all like this hot girl, and we all want to write this special song, and we want to do that. He'll be like, Dave Cobb will just look at you and go like, nah, man, that's, that's, that sucks. <laughs> scratch that one, scratch that one. Well, he'll say, his favorite thing is he's like, oh, let's get to that later. And then by the time later comes, like, all right, we're done. Let's go. Everybody go. <laughs> You're up. Like, hey, man, what's up, man? I got this song me and Rob Thomas wrote, man. What's up? Which is actually a true story. We wrote five songs together, me and Rob Thomas. And they get recorded? Dave Cobb didn't say they suck. He just said, let's save them for the next record. <laughs> when somebody else is producing. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so Brighter Days is a new record. Brighter Days is a new record. It's out everywhere. We got a uh, purple vinyl, which is really cool. cool. It sounds great. Um, so many great songs. We got a, re a song called Baptize Me, which was this, this, this cross in between love and spirituality, which is all the same, right? Because if you don't love someone, then you, you got a dead spirit. If you don't love yourself, you got a dead spirit. Um, we got another song called Have Mercy. Uh, and it's funny because I wrote that song about all of the, the, the depressed people that are walking around today. You know, we, we hear about all of this depression and mental health, and, and I know so many of these people, and just a few weeks ago, a friend of mine, uh, Neil Casal was his name, he hung himself. Oh. So, and he had a very promising career. He, everybody knew him from being with Chris Robinson. He had an, uh, his own band called Circles Around the Sun, and I've known Neil since 2000. And so he hung himself, and I was just kind of, kind of was angry, but it's kind of like, okay, like, let's really get this record out there, and let's let these people know that they're loved, and you can be loved. Let's learn to appreciate one another. So that's what that song, Have Mercy, was about. Let it in, let it in. Got a song called Cut Them Loose, which just goes along with all of those things because cut, cut them loose, cut them loose of all of the bad baggage and people hanging on that's bringing you down. You know, life is so short. Life is so wonderful. It's great. So many beautiful people to hold on to and grasp on to. We all got to love each other and pick each other up. Can I get a witness? <laughs> well said. And I tell you, baptize me blows me away. Let, let's Thank play you. that now. I need redemption.
wonderful stuff. Thank you. I, I'm curious. Uh, you're obviously a great A player, one of the best. Are you better today than you were 10 years ago? Oh, I'm so much better today than I was 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, I mean, 10 years ago, we used to play for three hours. So, But so if you talk to some fans, they'd be like, no, man, you guys suck, man. You guys used to play three hours. I'm like, well, I'm not playing three hours anymore. Like, you know, we used to drink a bottle of whiskey a day. <laughs> he played three hours. What do you want me to do? Right. So <laughs> speaking of whiskey, I'm thinking you're playing the devil's music. What does your family think of you now? Oh, they all on payroll now, so they all love me now. <laughs> I'm paying mortgages and rents and car payments and new dresses and new shoes and, you know, all that stuff. But, no, no, you know, see what happens is, and, and for anybody that comes from church, like Aretha and Al Green, and we've all heard these stories before. See, church back in the day was very sort of, you know, a lot of one-minded, sided people. You know, like if either you're here or you're out, you know. So we've all come now as a, as a, you know, between social media. We're all looking now and we're seeing how the world's operating. So you can't lie to us anymore in church. You can't tell us, look at all those devils over there and look at all. It's like, no, those people not hurting anybody. Yeah. Actually, they're living better than you, than you devils in here. Well, and I'm sure that they've seen you now, payroll yeah. or not. <laughs> and they and they feel like they've gone to church on a on a you know, because yeah. you have a very spiritual... But here's the one funny thing about this new record and everything. So my family is very critical. I'll put out a record, and they'll be like, I'll get no response from any of them. But all of them have, including my father, my grandmother, my mother. So my grandmother's actually like, the, it's like a mafia family. My grandmother's the head of the whole family. So my grandmother called me the minute she heard the song. She's like, boy, that's it, boy. Boy, you did it, boy. That, that song baptized me. I knew you still had it in you. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, Grandma, as long as she's happy, you know. The best possible critic in the world. Yeah, my grandmother, she replaces the band members and everything. She's like, you got to go. He's giving you trouble. They got to go. Go home, and we'll get a new person. So for young artists, recruit your grandmother. Yes. She'll, 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 uh, and, and she'll hit you upside the head with any, anything <laughs> she can find. She's the, one of the old school grandmothers. So the, the, the new album is called Brighter Days. Uh, a real pleasure to talk with you, Robert. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. done gone and put the Bible away. Living out the law is not the jungle, but the law of the land. Good book said, I know it's true. Now for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Watch where you're going. Remember where you've been. That's the way I see it. I'm a simple man. Our thanks to Erica Nalo for her always sterling production and to Dave Paulson for writing the theme music. This is Americana One. <laughs>